This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. When some of the Easterners first started moving west from the East Coast, got into some of the areas of the, the far west, and all of a sudden they encountered a totally different bear from what they'd been dealing with in the past. Previously, they dealt with black bear, and black bear can be somewhat timid, although they can also be very aggressive at times, but uh, not quite as aggressive and maybe not quite as hard to bring down as, as what they found when they got to the edge of the Rocky Mountains. What they encountered was the Ursus horribilis, which is the uh, grizzly bear. The grizzly bear was a lot bigger on the average than what was the black bear that frontiersmen had encountered. And some of the rifles that they were using, using no oh, small caliber in terms of 36, maybe 40, 42, or even 45 caliber guns were sufficient to take down the black bear. When they got into the uh, grizzly bear, all of a sudden they had some very interesting uh, things occur and that they'd shoot the bear numerous times, then the bear just really would not go down. And there's several accounts of, of bears having to be shot, grizzly bears having to be shot numerous times. And as it would end up, the uh, the guy that was doing the shooting would have to <laughs> retreat to the water and try to get out in the as deep a water as he could. There's a movie made not very long ago called The Revelant, and uh, 
it's about Hugh Glass, who was attacked by a bear and, and finally made it back to civilization. All these accounts early on really created a reputation of the grizzly bear being a rather aggressive bear, very tenacious of life, very hard to bring down. And in every way, the, the horrible bear that, uh, that was described in terms of the um, scientific name that it carries. Growing up, I read a lot of different things by, of course, Jack O'Connor and Elmer Keith. And there was an author named Russell Annabelle who uh, wrote quite a bit many years ago in the sports field. And very interesting guy who spent a lot of time in Alaska in the, oh, the early 1900s and that period of time and, and encountered a lot of grizzly bears and, and wrote about them quite frequently. And back then too, when I was growing up, you heard a lot about grizzly bear attacks and all those kind of things that seemed to be coming back again. The bear for the grizzly bear, for the most part, had been kind of exportated out of a lot of different areas simply because it just did not, <laughs> it, it didn't do well with people. And as the westward expansion and continued in the colonization of those western states, uh, the grizzly bear was, was one of the obstacles that they met. And so they took care of it the best way they knew how, and that was trying to remove as many of them as they could. California, on their flag, has the grizzly bear as there is on their flag, actually. It's also, I think, at one time was or may still be their state animal, even though there are hardly any grizzly bears there anymore. Several efforts have been made in the last several years to uh, bring the grizzly back, and it's been brought back to a great extent to where we should be hunting them in several of the states as a means of supporting the grizzly bear to pay for the conservation thereof. Uh, but unfortunately, we've had a few judges that in the past have decided that they knew more about grizzly bear and about the West than what did the wildlife biologist who studied these as a, as a determine what what the status was of the, of the bear population and and we've gotten to the point where really we've got a bunch of excess bears out there compared to what we have habitat for and these bears have grown up in a situation now to where they're no longer afraid of humans and so the grizzly bear attacks uh, seem to be growing as we move forward into the future and, and probably will get worse even as we get more and more in the future as, as more and more grizzly bears <clears throat> Excuse me. Early morning, uh, as more and more grizzly bears are in, come into uh, the, the populations that we have, in, in terms of also in human populations. But hunting grizzly bear was something that I always wanted to do. Uh, I remember reading all kinds of different stories about Theodore Roosevelt, and and even before him of. of of hunters who went out after grizzly bear. And to me, it was just kind of the real animal as far as wilderness was concerned and and real animal because of strength and because of so many other factors that, that make that grizzly bear such a very special animal. Of course, dreaming and, and being able to do something don't always come to the same thing, but Thankfully, the dream finally was realized many years ago now, and I had an opportunity to start hunting grizzly bear. That first grizzly bear came about 
back when when I was writing for a bunch of different magazines and really hadn't gotten into the TV thing as much, but I was writing for a whole lot of hunting and shooting magazines and got to know Jim McCarthy really well. Jim McCarthy Adventures, if you will, from close to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania is a booking agent who had hunted pretty much all over the world. And, and Jim and I had gotten to be friends through mutual acquaintances and got a call from Jim one day and he says, Larry said, uh, are you interested in hunting caribou and, and possibly a grizzly bear up in Alaska? And I said, absolutely. I've been dreaming about it forever. And he said, I'll go with you if you go, if we can get this thing set up. He said, uh, got an outfitter up there named Bob Adams and uh, got a special deal to where you can come up and, and hunt two caribou. And, and if you buy a grizzly license, there's an opportunity taking a grizzly. I could not hardly wait. I mean, it was just one of those things that uh, I had dreamed about and longed for and immediately started working on getting magazine assignments. And at the time, I had just come, just started shooting the TC Encore, the uh, the single shot rifle. And we had one, had one made up in a 375 H&H. And, and also, since I was going to be hunting caribou, uh, took the uh, .30-06 Encore pistol that I hunted with it a lot at that time. Got up into Alaska and Bob put us out on a little old hill overlooking this broad valley one mid-afternoon and that mid-afternoon between then and dark there must have been twenty to 30,000 caribou that passed down that creek bottom. It was like you stirred up a, an ant nest and they were just, <laughs> I mean there were unbelievable number of caribou bulls the size that I can't even imagine anymore that we saw and unfortunately they and some came right through camp but unfortunately you can't hunt or fly and hunt the same day when it comes to animals such as caribou and, and some of the bears and, and uh, moose and and to try to take that unfair advantage away from you of locating them by the by air and then flying in and sitting down and, and hunting them but we watched an unbelievable number of caribou come through that afternoon and got lucky about two days later and shot a really nice long time long main beam caribou with a 30-06 pistol and <coughs> excuse me John, I'm sorry. I may have to try to pull some of this stuff out. Um, they're taking a really nice caribou and knew that those grizzlies had a tendency to follow those herds to try to pick off stragglers or whatever they could come up with. And also following this herd were, uh, oh gosh, I mean, it was just an, an, an unbelievable sight as I'm starting to think about it. But, uh, Got really lucky and, and uh, about the second morning took an absolutely fantastically beautiful caribou. There were thousands of caribou still coming by. What was interesting is, is we started out with about 30,000 caribou the first day, about 15, 20,000 the next day, about 5,000 the next day. And each day they kind of started dwindling in terms of the numbers that were coming by. But we also knew that the grizzlies were going to be following these caribou. And chances were we were going to have an opportunity to grizzly. Well, as it worked out, got the caribou packed back up to this little hill that we were camped on. And we looked away off in the distance and here, here came a, a grizzly bear. And I was unbelievably excited. My first real grizzly bear that I had ever seen. And we got onto this thing and took off at a run toward hoping to cut it off. Wind was in our favor. 
And we started stalking and started stalking and trying to get to hit of this bear and try to cut him off, try to uh, do whatever we could to get a shot at it. Big, beautiful, probably a big male and, and kind of a silver, black, brown, just grizzled, absolutely gorgeous color to him. And, we got within about 400 yards of him, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to work out because we're going to be able to get from this little, little ravine right here. We'll drop into the next one. We'll get into the next one, and the guide is going. Uh, Andy Runyon was the guide, and Andy said, you know, Larry said, I think we can get onto this bear. And at about 400 yards, all of a sudden, we felt the wind switch and felt it coming from our face to going at our back. And almost immediately, this bear stood up on his hind legs, looked kind of in our direction, kind of, you could see him taking a big, deep whiff of, of, <laughs> of the air coming from us to him and immediately turned tail and ran as fast as he could out of sight. Two days later, we were in camp early morning and it is not quite really good enough light to see and you could hear something kind of moving around the outside of our little tents and thought probably it was just another herd of caribou coming through and finally Andy was in one tent and I was just across the way way being about six feet away from his entrance there was my little tent set up and he and I both kind of crawled to the entrance of our tent opening there for about the same time looked out and here was here here were four grizzlies. Here was a female grizzly with three grown cubs larger than she was. And they were maybe a hundred yards away. And they were the most fantastic sight of grizzly bears that I could ever imagine. Uh, they were all different colors. Uh, she was kind of a toke lot, which is a, a bear that's blonde on on top and as you go to the extremities to the legs and the head it gets really darker and another one was just a dark dark deep brown the other one was like she was one of those toke lot type grizzlies then the other one that was there one of them was a really really pretty black almost like a, a black bear and the fourth bear was one that was that typical or not typical, but uh, let's say that perfect silver tip grizzly. It was a male, and we could look at him, and he was much bigger than what his mother was. He had dark under hair, and the tips of his hair were just absolutely silver. One more beautiful bear than you can ever imagine. I reached back to grab my rifle, and as I did, I heard Andy say, Larry, as much as I'd like to let you shoot one of those bears, Technically, that's a sow with cubs, and I realize the cubs are bigger than she is, and they're probably a two-and-a-half, three-year-old bear, and maybe I'm a little bit older, but there's no way that I can let you shoot that, any one of those bear, because it's a sow with cubs. So I just laid the rifle back down and pulled out the binos and, and really watched these bear. And they were slowly moving away finally and, and watched these bear for probably about almost an hour as they followed that herd. And they'd kind of separate and then they'd come back together again. But it was just an unbelievable sight to see those four bears all together and to see the different colors. Did not have a long telephoto on my camera on that trip. and. 
gosh, I've kicked myself ever since then that we didn't get uh, didn't get footage. Had a cameraman with us as well too, and unfortunately, he was having some camera problems at the moment. But there were just tremendously beautiful bear, every color that you would ever hope to see in a grizzly bear. Came down to toward the tail end of the hunt. I shot another really nice caribou with the with the with the thirty out six pistol and saw a few more bear. And it came down. To, oh, really? The last day. And and Bob flew in. He said, "We've got basically one day left. I'm going to pick y'all up." He flew in, picked us up, took us to a new spot, and said, "There's a bad weather front moving in. We've got one day left to hunt. I'm going to come pick you up at dark tomorrow night." got to get back to camp we got to get out of camp shut camp down and be out of here the following day because if not we may be here for a month the way this weather is coming our way the guy and i took off at a walk and hit it in a kind of a northerly direction and it was alternately raining it was cold pretty nasty actually for the longest time and off in a distance we'd see a bear and we'd run like crazy try to catch up to him couldn't do it and couldn't do it and another bear would show up way off in the distance we'd try to put a quick stalk on him and we'd lose him and we just kept walking and said we're going to walk as far as we can hopefully cover as much country as we can get to a point where, okay, this is as far as we can go. We've got to turn around now that we can get back and be back in time for dark, so that, or just before dark, so that Bob can pick us up and get us out of there. Started raining, and we'd gone about as far as we could. I, I was really getting tired, and I know the guide was too, because we were kind of talking about, well, this is about the, the end of the trail right here. I guess we're going to start hunting our way back, and that's about time it started raining, and there was a little old valley down below us, and the, I looked down, it looked like there was a little bit of an overhang, and it was raining really hard, and we decided, well, let's just crawl underneath that overhang and sit here. We'll wait for a little bit, kind of catch our breath, maybe eat what's left of what we have of our lunch, and wait the rain out, and let's start headed back. It's, it's been a fun hunt. Sitting there, and, and just had gotten a, the last of my sandwich into my mouth and looked across down in this valley, and here comes a bear. Here comes a grizzly bear walking down into the valley. There was a beaver dam down at the bottom. Uh, could tell it wasn't an absolute monster bear, but could tell that it was at least a, uh, oh, probably about a, about a 300 pound bear, which is a really good inland grizzly. And when you get right down to it, glass this bear, looked at that pistol, and I thought, man, there's no way it's going to be too far. I was glad I had that 375 H&H. And, kind of started easing down toward the bear as, as close as we could we got within about 150 yards and at that point there wasn't any cover left and the wind was getting really kind of squirrely and i was afraid the wind was going to switch and be at our back found a place where i could get a really good solid rest this bear is now standing on this beaver dam and when i shoot after saying a prayer that i would hit this bear this bear got hit by that 375 using a, a horned DMO, a, a 270 grain soft point, and it just rolled this bear off this this beaver dam down into the water below, and, and uh, it was dead. So we hurried up and ran down there and had to get in and about waist deep water to get this bear out and get him out and get a few photos up if we could, some real quick photos, did some quick skinning, took what meat we could, and and I started heading back to camp and got back into camp just as, as Bob was flying in. 
last minute bearer came down actually to the to the last day last moments as far as we could go and took that first grizzly bear and absolutely fantastic beautiful bear blonde on the side dark extremities one of those dope lot type bears and i was absolutely thrilled i was finally not only a grizzly hunter i was a successful grizzly hunter before going on to the next Grizzly, let's, let's get a few words from Richard Cheatham with DSCF. They're doing some absolutely fantastic work right now in terms of trying to help with anti-poaching campaigns over in Africa, and they've got a new program out. So, Richard, if you would, please tell us a little bit about this program and, and some of the things that we as hunters can do to really help the situation that's occurring in, in other parts of the world right now. far-reaching effects of the COVID-19 pandemic have been both overwhelming and constant since mid-March. Shelter-in-place orders followed by sweeping quarantines have altered lives, businesses, and industries across the globe. As is understandable, there has been minimal focus on the impact of COVID-19 on wildlife and wilderness, yet there is a pandemic-related wildlife crisis unfolding before our very eyes. And without immediate action, the negative impact may prove irreparable. Outfitters and hunting operators largely self-fund anti-poaching efforts, habitat protection, and enhancement. They provide employment in isolated areas and regions where opportunities are virtually non-existent, including other incentives to minimize poaching. This is all paid for by hunters' dollars. Without that revenue, poaching will increase dramatically. Starving people will do what they must to survive. The illegal bushmeat trade will expand, as will habitat degradation. Philanthropic generosity has been on display in support for first responders and healthcare providers. There are government programs offering financial support for those affected by the loss of employment and the quarantine restrictions. But who is stepping up for wildlife and wilderness? Who's going to support hunting operators in critical anti-poaching efforts? DSC Foundation has a well-established history of supporting anti-poaching programs, but the circumstances caused by the pandemic demand a much bigger response one that can only adequately be made with your help. Make no mistake, the organized anti-hunting zealots see this pandemic as a stroke of good fortune to the extent of the dire financial hardship that is being imposed on hunting operators. We have a decision to make. We can do nothing and hope that hunting operators can find enough money to keep anti-poaching patrols in place. Alternately, we can turn this catastrophic pandemic into an opportunity to show the non-hunting world that hunters are the true conservationists by financially stepping up to the plate. The DSC Foundation is teaming with DSC in a bold anti-poaching support initiative called Hunters Care. Hunters Care stands for COVID Anti-Poaching Relief Effort. The DSC Foundation is launching a massive fundraising effort to support the critical anti-poaching work of hunting operators in areas where wildlife is under immediate threat, the DSCF COVID-19 Relief Fund. Our commitment to donors supporting this fund is this. 100% of all donations from now until the end of this year will be dispersed to support anti-poaching projects. Our promise means that your donation will have maximum impact and provide desperately needed relief to those who are on the front line of wildlife and wild habitat protection and conservation. 
DSC Foundation will also accept directed donations if a donor wishes to identify a particular anti-poaching program that meets Foundation eligibility criteria. 100% of directed donations will also be passed through to the eligible program. Support for anti-poaching efforts at this critical time can be a defining moment for hunters who understand how the catastrophic associated travel bans are affecting dedicated outfitters desperately trying to continue vital anti-poaching programs. Together we can provide the support to protect the programs in place and extend anti-poaching efforts worldwide. You can make an immediate impact by going to the DSC Foundation website, clicking on the COVID-19 Relief Fund tab, and completing the donation form. Let's show the world exactly who we are. Thank you, Richard. I've got a check coming your way, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of folks that are out there listening right now will be doing the same. Really appreciate everything that DSC and DSCF do. And if you want to go to the website, it's www.dscf.org. And also you can go to the website of the Dallas Fire Club and go to www.biggame.org. Appreciate it very much. The, the wildlife is imperiled, and, and particularly in some of the places in Africa where they're dealing with the the COVID nineteen, and, and not only do a lot of work there, but uh, both these organizations, if you will, do a tremendous amount of work here in North America as well too. And they're very much involved in, in some of the things that are happening as far as grizzly bears are concerned, and in, in trying to bring back the grizzly bear seasons that we really need. The, the second bear that I, grizzly bear that I shot also came from Alaska. I was hunting with, um, uh, with, uh, Buck Bowden. Uh, Buck and I had hunted together a couple of other times in the past. Buck is with Hidden Alaska, uh, with Hidden Alaska Guides, actually, and a great guy and has a fabulous area. This particular bear, again, it came down to the very, very last moment. It was essentially set up as a float trip for grizz for grizzlies if we happen to see one, or uh, particularly, uh, more than anything else, I was trying to find a really big moose. Got dropped off, spent a couple of days waiting for the right conditions so that we could go down the, the river on the float and saw some moose, but really nothing of any size. Saw a lot of grizzly bear tracks. Fantastic fishing trip <laughs> is what it seemed to be. And we had gotten to the point, well, it were at a place where they're going to fly in and pick us up. We had just pulled up there and pulled our raft up, up into a little sandbar. And, and as we did, I just, we were starting to unpack our gear and we we're going to set up a little tent there and they're going to pick us up late that evening and well i'm sitting there gathering my gear to kind of sorting it out and we're getting ready to put the tent up i'll have to look across the creek and here's here's a couple of bears and uh one of them is just a absolutely beautiful kind of a grizzle and the other one's a little bit bigger and and head pokes out and they look at us through the willows and i am madly trying to gather up my rifle and put the ammo in and and all those kind of exciting things and the bear kind of backs up a little bit and then starts kind of ambling down the downstream. The, the guide and I, after I grab my rifle, we take off running and 
get down probably about 300 yards or so from where we'd seen the bear and, and the, the grizzled bear, the beautiful color, a little bit smaller, but still a mature bear stepped out and it did stepped out on this little ledge overlooking the, the, the fast running water down below. And as he did, I shot him and he just kind of pitched forward with that one. I was using a 300 uh, RCM and a Ruger 77, of course, uh, Hornady ammo as well, too. And, oh, my gosh. As soon as that bear hit the water, it started floating downstream. Well, I had to run like crazy and and uh, jump in the water and got up to about almost waist deep. It was some very swift running water and grabbed this bear and started dragging it uh, to a little bit of a shallower place where we could pull it out. Last moment of the hunt another grizzly bear could not have been more thrilled i mean what an absolute fantastic way to end a, a great hunt that had, had been an adventure in so many different ways but without having to really see a whole lot of animals once the hunt got started the day before the season opened we saw several really good moose that just disappeared on us but uh got that grizzly bear the last moment and then uh that's yeah, absolutely a fantastic bear. The the fantastic artists that they are over at Double Nickel did a life-size mount of the bear for us. And it's a, you may have well have seen it like at the Dallas Safari Club convention and, and a few other places. I've had them do it for me and kind of lend it to them to show off what some of their work can look like in terms of a grizzly bear. And so if you have a chance to, to run by and see the John Wilson and his guys at, uh, at the Double Nickel there close to Bernie, Texas, or rather to New Braunfels, Texas, ask them to show you the bear, that uh, the grizzly bear that, that, that's mine. Fun, fun hunt in so many different ways and, and look forward to hopefully one of these days going back with, with Buck as well too. He's a great guy to spend time around and so very knowledgeable and has got a great camp that's kind of a rustic camp but it really feels like a really good kind of hunting camp that we all dream about spending time in thought maybe that was going to be the last grizzly that i was going to be able to take and i got a call one day from clifford smith with triple c outfitters and he said larry he said uh, i've got an area up here he said i'd really like for you to come up you can hunt hunt grizzlies if you like this we've got an area that we've got a, a fair number of bear on there's a there's a little creek there uh, next to a river and gosh it's right it's right on the border of where you go a little bit to the west and you're considered brown bear and a little bit to the to the east and they're considered grizzly bear and he said but i think there's an area there that i think you can take a grizzly and i think you can take a pretty nice one so Blake Barnett and I went, we were, I was filming for our TV show, the, the, the second bear I shot actually, we, we filmed for a show that I used to have called A Hunter's Life. By the time I went with uh, Clifford, that show had changed to Trailing the Hunter's Moon and uh, Blake Barnett was my cameraman and Roland Seahorn was our guide. So uh, we got dropped off, set up camp, hunted our tails off, saw a couple of bear just very briefly, saw a sow and a cub that we put a stalk on and got some footage of and 
So on black bear, I mean, hunting really, really hard, but for whatever reason, the winds were just always out of the wrong direction. There was a little creek bottom that we wanted to get into, and, but we knew if we started in the creek with the wind in our back, chances were whatever was in there, we were going to push out. So we just kind of stayed out of that area. Got rained in for two or three days where it just poured rain all day long, laying there in, in the bunks and Thankfully, I bought a couple of books to, to bring with me and, and uh, had an opportunity to read those two books at least twice. <laughs> and we'd get out and fix a little something to eat where we could have a little fly set up where we could cook underneath. And there was some little Dolly Varden in the, in the uh, creek, and I'd go out with a barbless hook and catch a Dolly Varden, and, and we'd keep like maybe one or two of them. And, had plenty of stuff to eat, but that fresh fish was pretty good as well, too. Came down to the last day, and we were going, oh, my gosh, this is, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Spending time with Roland, as we did, was great fun. and But just the, the bear just weren't there. We decided that last afternoon, let's just go sit close to the river. We've got a spot there that we can glass for a lot of distances, and hopefully a bear will show up. Grabbed my 375 Ruger. It was in a guide gun. It was loaded with uh, DGX, 300 grain DGX. And I had a Trigicon AccuPoint scope on that I really, really liked. Um, that combination was absolutely extremely accurate, extremely deadly on other animals. We headed down to a spot that we'd been sitting up where we could watch this creek bottom and some of the hillsides around. And it's getting later in the afternoon and the, the wind is at our back and the wind is at our back kind of thing. It's kind of a crosswind and, and, uh, all of a sudden that wind changes and without even saying a word, I looked over at Roland, he looked over at me and we took off at a run and, uh, literally ran to this little creek bottom. We had barely gotten into the creek. Uh, kind of spread out maybe maybe 20, 30, maybe 20 yards across when we heard gravel crunching and got stopped and looked up. And here comes this absolutely beautiful, old, old, what appears to be a grizzly bear. Uh, he's got long claws. He puts on a little show for us. And, and at one point, I actually thought he might consider charging and I wait for the right moment, and in the meantime, Blake's over there trying to get as much footage of this bear as he could, and I get the shooting stick set up, and finally we figure we've got enough footage, which didn't seem like it took a long time to get the footage, but actually it was probably about something less than a minute. This bear gave me a good broadside shot, and as soon as he did, I pushed the safety forward on that on that Ruger 77 guide gun and, and hit the bear, and it just... It's just like he poleaxed him, and that bear went down with with his high shoulder shot, and wouldn't did not move. Uh, quickly reloaded, of course, in case there was any kind of movement at all, and waited a little bit and walked up there, and here's this absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous bear. Probably weighed about 350, 400 pounds, maybe something like that, and. Uh, just, I'm absolutely thrilled at the bear. Here it is, the last moment of the hunt, once again, the third time of hunting grizzlies, third time of, of coming down to the absolute wire on the hunt, and got a great grizzly down, and I'm thrilled, and we're 
carrying on and all those kind of things that you do in that situation and got photographs, finished up the show that we, we shot and, and for that particular hunt and started to skin the bear and, and uh, look over at Roland. Roland, I, I can see he's kind of feeling around his pack and he goes, oh my God, Larry, he said, I forgot my flashlight. He said, it's going to be dark before we get out of here. I said, ah, no problem. I said, he said, uh, he said, you want to go back to camp and get one? And I said, he said, yeah. He said, I'll just go back to camp. And I said, well, look, I said, I'll have this bear skinned out by the time you get back. I'd skinned a lot of black bear and skinned a lot of bear in, in the past and, and don't mind skinning the bear at all. And, and so I went to work on this bear and Roland left. They'd been gone probably about 15, 20 minutes, maybe a little bit longer. And here's some more gravel crunching. I look up and uh, toward the, the farther back into the creek and here comes a bear and, and he he's one of those bears that as he walks toward us it, there's a swagger about big bear to where they kind of swing front end and back end as they go kind of a a, a a swishing motion if you will and this bear's coming toward us and now the wind has changed again it's, it's at our back it's blowing into the creek i know that that bear can smell us i know that that bear can probably smell blood from the bear that i'm skinning and so i look over at blake and i said now it's almost dark it's too late to film i look over at blake and said blake you may want to grab that 375 just in case and he said okay and and i kept on skinning and, and, and the bear kept coming now he's he's probably within about 75 yards of us and uh maybe maybe a little bit closer than that and i look over at blake and i said blake i said do you know what to do and he said what do you you want me to kill a bear and i said nope no way can we kill a bear i said i've got the only license uh there's no way you can kill this bear unless he absolutely bites me then you can and uh, i look up and the bear keeps coming our way and uh, he, he said what do you want me to do what do you want me to do and i said if the bear gets close i said if he comes at us or whatever i said try to shoot right in front of him throw some gravel in its face and hopefully hopefully uh it'll stop the bear and and he'll turn i said if he doesn't you're gonna have to wait and shoot him from, and i'll try to poke my arm down his throat you know and you shoot him when you can kind of thing and <clears throat> the bear keeps coming and uh, he, he said, now, what do you want me to do? And I said, I want you to shoot right in front of the bear and hopefully you can throw some gravel up in its face and stop him or at least scare him or something. Look up and here comes this bear. He's still coming. He's at about, oh, about 30 yards and, and coming on. And so at that point, I thought, well, I'll just stand up and holler. So I stood up and at the top of my voice screamed at this bear and shouted at him. And as soon as I did, here came this bear at a full charge. And at about, oh, maybe about 10 or 12 yards, Blake shoots, hits right in front of this bear, throws gravel all over it. And the bear kind of like a really good reigning horse hind feet come out underneath he comes to a slide and he stops and then he stands upright and he looks looks right at us his ears are laid back he's popping his jaws and i'm thinking oh my god it's gonna happen this 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 bear is gonna come and it's gonna hurt it's gonna hurt all i've got in my hand is about a two and a half inch bladed knife and and blake thankfully is there behind but i had instructed him i said you cannot shoot this bear unless he bites me so the only thing i can do is if he comes is to try to ram my 
fist as hard as I can in its face and about that time hopefully that he doesn't take my arm off Blake can take him the bear just keeps staring at us and it kind of finally got to the point to where he'd kind of look around behind him look behind him and he'd look right back up at us and lay his little ears back and snarl and growl and pop his teeth and I really thought this is going to be a, a full-on something that's really going to hurt here in just a few seconds Finally, for whatever reason, thank God, the, the bear kind of looked back and forth and just like, okay, guys, that was fun, and turned around and, and walked away. And I breathed a huge sigh of relief and looked up at Blake, and Blake's eyes were as big as saucers, and, and uh, he had done so well, made, him really, made me really proud of him. He had done extremely well under some most interesting pressure, if you will. About that time, things kind of settled down, and I just about time I'd finished skinning out the bear, Roland came back and he goes, oh my God, are y'all okay? I heard the shot, what happened, what happened? And uh, <laughs> we told the story, and and uh, I kind of got a chuckle out of it late that night when we finally got back into camp. But I can tell you something, being that close to a full-on charge of, of a grizzly bear is a little bit hair-raising, a little bit more adventure than... I'd kind of bought into for this trip. Hopefully in the future, we'll be able to hunt grizzlies again here in the, the USA. There are great populations in parts of Wyoming and in Montana, and, and, and those bears certainly can be harvested, can be taken. And, and you just think about the monies that could be raised to help conservation in terms of grizzlies all over that western part of the country from the monies derived from those hunts so if if you've got any influence or even if you feel like you don't have any influence there's nothing that says you can't write those game departments and find out who the judge is that continually says no we can't hunt grizzly bear and send him a personal message and say hey you know you need to look at the the biological data rather than looking at the hysteria of, of hunting grizzly bear it's a sustainable hunt. We have a lot of bears. Taking a few is not going to hurt anything. If anything, it's, it's, it's going to help the population for the monies raised and, and the research that can be done. But uh, hopefully more of you can, those of you who have not experienced hunting grizzly bear, can, can have that experience one of these days. Truly, truly an adventure. Really appreciate y'all being with us today and, and uh, hopefully some of these grizzly stories that I've kind of related to you will kind of get you to thinking about hunting grizzly bear or maybe even reading about them. I wrote about the three bears I just talked about in, in the, one of the last books I did called Trailing the Hunter's Moon, The Adventure Continues. It was a limited edition book that we're just about sold out of, but I think there may be a few copies floating around still, and, and it tells uh, pretty much the entire story of those three last moment grizzly bears. Came from quite, came to be quite an adventure, but uh, in the tail end of all of it over being done with, that we were finally able to take some really great bears. Look forward to visiting with you again next week. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, callness calls made. Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. 
Texas-raised hunting products, the scent guides, www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website. 